I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast, brought to you by Red Wing, episode 54. Two weeks after our one-year anniversary, this is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Recording a little early in the week this week, how are you feeling midweek, Mark? Busy, busy week. All good stuff, though, but glad. Yeah, we recorded a bit early because I have uh, customer stuff to to actually do on Thursdays, which is when we normally record, but everything's good. Everything's good, yeah. Can never can never complain about being too busy with customers. But this is this is our Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour. <laughs> <laughs> because Mark LaCour, ladies and gentlemen, has joined Facebook. Yeah, uh, James actually made me do it. So I'm there. Um, I have no friends <laughs> because I haven't been on Facebook all these years. So if you're a member of our listening audience, please friend me so it looks like I have friends. And then the other thing I did is I have, if you're a salesperson in oil and gas, I have some Facebook exclusive sales tips on our company page. It's only on Facebook. It's not on blog. It's not in the podcast. Little video shorts to help you improve your game and, and, and just murder that commission. So check out our company page on Facebook. And uh, every Thursday at noon, we publish another uh, oil and gas sales tips on Facebook. Yeah, I'll make a short link. I just thought of that. I'll make a, go ahead and make a short link, tribrocket.com forward slash modal point, and that'll take you straight to Mark's Facebook page because, yeah, we need we need some likes on his page, and, and he needs friends. Yes, I do. <laughs> he needs friends. Uh, but we got a lot of stories to get into this week. Let's go ahead and do that. Starting things off in Russia, there's a lot going on with the Russian economy in terms of the downturn. So walk us through this article. Yeah, so this is a good article. It's common sense, right? So most of Russia's budget, the money that the government has to spend to buy stuff, comes from oil and gas revenue. Well, in this low crude price market, it's really hurt their, their, the government's budget. And so in order to balance their budget, so, so, they, so they basically at least can break even, they're considering raising taxes on the Russian oil and gas industry. Now think about this. The Russian oil and gas industry is hurting just like, especially, I mean, upstream is, just like the rest of the world. And what happens if you add more taxes? It's going to hurt them even more. So this is an article about how if the government has to raise taxes, what it's going to do is it's going to affect the future of Russia's oil and gas uh, industry because they have another layer of taxes, which means they'll have less money to invest in future projects. And that is not a good place to be when your national economy depends so much on the oil and gas industry. And this is really affecting current budgets, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, the the na- nationalized oil companies and the independent oil companies in Russia all are slashing budgets, especially um, uh, ENP exploration budgets, right? Because oil – and actually, uh, oil today is, is over $40, James. How cool is that? I, I, I don't follow the prices, so that's good news. <laughs> yeah, uh, but in this article, because it's a little bit dated, they're talking about how oil is in the 30s. So, um, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, the other problem with Russia is the sanctions – so the conventional oil that they are able to tap into right now, they're fine. The sanctions don't affect that production. But the deep water and the uh, fracking, all that stuff that needs new technologies, the sanctions keep Russia from being able to get those technologies. So they're depleting their existing um, reserves in the conventionals, and they have no way to tap into the unconventionals. And their economy's being crushed, and the government looks like it's going to have to uh, layer another layer of tax to help uh, balance the budget. Now, the thing I find fascinating in all this, any other country in the world that was going through this, because they're in a recession right now, full-blown recession, uh, any other country in the world that was going through this, the, their leader would be ousted. 
and their leader uh, Putin is has rave rave reviews. People love him. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens politically in that country. Yeah, we'll continue to follow this story as we as we always do with things things Russia because it, it definitely affects uh, us and and especially Europe and everything with the gas that they got flowing out of there. But let's move on over here. I'm sorry, I'm I'm still getting used to my new mic configuration in the in the new house. And so let's move over to ExxonMobil. Interesting article from Oil and Gas Investor. ExxonMobil eyes asset deals, not takeovers. Yeah, you know, I, I suspect this is somewhat of a smoke screen. Uh, ExxonMobil is a big old ship. They've been through this a million times. They've raised a lot of cash. This article's a good article, right? It's about uh 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 uh, Rex uh, Tillerson, who's their CEO, talking about um, on an analyst day what they're doing. And what he's saying they're doing is they're not looking at any um, acquisitions, right? They're looking to pick up assets, so producing properties, leases, whatever. But he doesn't want to, he's saying in this um, article, he doesn't want to pick up, it doesn't want to buy any companies because all that would do is increase Exxon's debt. Uh, and I think this is a bit of a smokescreen, to be quite honest. I, I, you don't want the CEO to come out and say they're, they're getting ready to buy Anadarko, right? Because then Anadarko's uh, stock would go through the roof, and then it would cost Exxon more money to actually buy it. I, I suspect Exxon is looking to pick up some companies besides just assets. But a uh, good article on Oil & Gas Investor, if you want to see um, you know, how they're looking at um, trying to grow their future and, and, and make smart decisions, this is a good, good, good read. So one that article that I didn't put in here, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts in sort of contrast or relation to this article was one talking about EOG looking like a potential acquisition prospect. Yeah, EOG would make a good one. I, I think Anadarko would good one. And of course, you know, I'm on record for, for saying in the last year or two, I thought Exxon was going to pick up um, a big part of BP, which they didn't do. So there, there's there's a lot of good acquisitions out there that would fit in, in Exxon's portfolio. Um, and, but this article says that the CEO says they're not looking to pick up any companies. Let's see if this see what happens a year from now. Yeah. All right. Well, we're big fans of Exxon, obviously, but uh, we're going to hold their feet to the fire. We'll we'll see what's going on. Moving over to Chevron, they talked. Uh, the CEO actually talked, sat down and talked with CNBC, and we got a full transcript here. What did they discuss? So basically, they're talking about how they're taking care of their shareholders, right? So uh, a, a dividend, and a stock dividend is basically um, is, is a payment that the companies make to their shareholders. So, um, you know, in my case, I have a lot of stock in a lot of different oil companies. Some of them have dividends, which means for each share of stock, I may get $3 a year, right? Which doesn't sound like much, but if you have, you know, 5,000 shares, that is actually something worthwhile. And so this is... Um, 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 John Watson talking about how they're going to keep their dividend and why that's important is Chevron's hurting right now. Like the rest of the, the upstream oil and gas companies, super majors, I say the rest Exxon's still profitable upstream, even in this low crude price market. So compared to the other competitors, the shells and the totals, and I think Chevron's hurting too, but they're keeping their dividend to maintain their shareholder value. This is, this is a delicate balancing act. When you work for a public company, you want shareholder value to reign high, so that your stock is worth more money, so the cost of you borrowing capital, either internally or externally, is less. If your stock price goes down and your shareholder value goes down, then it actually costs you more to operate your business. So, um, Chevron's announcing budget cuts. Um, you know, they're, they've cut a lot of their uh, exploration work in the next couple of years. They got a bunch of big projects that they're still continuing to work on, which I think is very smart on their part. And this is just an article uh, where the CEO is talking about how he's trying to maintain shareholder value. Talk about the natural gas project they're doing in Australia. 
that's the biggest freaking natural gas project in the world. Huge, right? Um, and they've been working on this for years. It's a, it's great for the um, Australian people. But what was so uh, just smart by Chevron, I swear they must sometimes have a crystal ball. 15 years ago, they saw the market for LNG in Asia Pacific. So they went to the Australian government and basically brokered a deal and built this huge LNG plant um, called Gorgon. And it's the largest LNG project. You said 15 years ago. So all the way in the year 2001, yeah. 2000, 2001. And they saw this potential market in Asia Pacific That's LNG. insane. I'm just going to say that. That's just crazy. I know. I know. I mean, when I saw them start going there, it's like, what the heck are Chevron doing? But they called it, right? And there's they're going to be the first to market in the Asia Pacific LNG market. And that's awesome. I mean, if you own stock in Chevron, you want them to do stuff like this. Yeah, they're going to be moving it. It talks about uh, Japan, Korea, China, all, yeah. especially China needing needing to replace a lot of coal. So that is really good news. Yeah, and so it's just it's you know great job Chevron. I, I I'm a big fan of Chevrons as well. Yeah. All right. Why did ConocoPhillips uh, pop up twenty percent? This is simple. Uh, the price of oil rebounded. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and so, of course, a company, an upstream company like ConocoPhillips is going to bounce back. Now, ConocoPhillips got hammered really um, hard, and you know, we just finished talking about dividends. So they actually cut their dividend, um, which then, you know, that kind of leads to a loss of credibility by management. Like, hey, how did you not see this coming? Um, but they have some uh, great production um, numbers out there. Um, they got a bunch of proven reserves. And so when the price of oil bounced back, of course, their stock bounced back. Well, who, who was the person that was saying that that oil was going to rebound? I, I think I might know him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, our listeners have heard it. You know, I'm, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but um, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still sticking to sixty dollars a barrel by August. Yeah, well, at this trend right now, it seems like you might might be spot on. Um, but but to to dig into this a little bit more, so obviously the price of the price of crude rebound that was number one. Number two, a sell off in crude oil shortage futures. What is what does that mean? So, boy, we keep getting into this financial stuff. So a future is – remember we talked earlier about spot prices? Yeah. So what is that spot price? What is your best guess of that spot price in 2018? That's a futures price, and you can broker those futures contracts like you can broker any other commodity. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So um, um, this is just – you know they, they end up dumping some uh, crude oil storage futures to, to generate some cash, which, of course, then increase their shareholder value as well. Got got it. And then it said the stock was a bargain. I guess that that is a reflection of the cut in their dividend you talked about. Yeah, it's um, it's it's since it's went up, it's not as much of a bargain as it was. But I mean, it had dropped down, um, dropped down to thirty bucks, I think. And that's you were crazy not to pick up ConocoPhillips at thirty bucks. I mean, that just even even if they stumble and oil stayed at forty dollars a barrel, they're still gonna make money, you know. So, um, and and a lot of the um. The, if you if you pay attention to stock market, um, a lot of the um, upstream EMP companies' stock has rebounds. Not just ConocoPhillips; almost everybody's has has jumped ahead. Even some of the service companies are, are making gains on their stock value. So good stuff. It is good stuff, and we always have to throw in the disclaimer this disclaimer that we are not stock analysts, so don't make any purchases based on what we say. What we say, yeah. What we say. Having said that, we do have a third sponsorship spot available, and if you are in the financial world and want to get in front of our audience, this might be a good time to reach out to us, Mark. 
Yeah, it, it would be a good fit. So any type of financial advisor out there that uh, would like some more business, because think about it, oil and gas people have money and then they invest. Uh, let us know. I think it'd be a, just a natural fit for the show. Definitely. All right. This next one is I, I backed. I went back to back with Seeking Alpha here because I am familiar with Crescent Point Energy, but bit of a sensational headline. So I, I'm just going, okay, I want to hear Mark unpack this thing. Crescent Point Energy in might be best oil producer in the world. So I don't think they're the best oil producer in the world, but damn, they run some good numbers, right? They make some smart decisions. This uh, Crescent's uh, based in Canada, in case anybody's curious, but they have some uh, properties both in Canada and in the U.S. Um, they just do some smart stuff. They 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 do their research when they when they acquire properties. Their um, production numbers are stupendous. Their uh, barrels on reserve numbers are great. Their growth is really, really good. Um, they're paying dividends, right? Um, um, you know, it's just, and, they, and they, they do a really good job of making acquisitions. And so, um, good company. I'm not, I would not say they're the best oil producer in the world, um, but they're up there. And especially, you know, they're nowhere near the size of somebody like ExxonMobil, but in, in some metrics, they're actually beating ExxonMobil's numbers. That's cool. One line that jumps out to me here, the company's production base is 90% weighted to crude and liquids. And in the low, in the low, that's not good. But now that they're rebounding, maybe is that playing into the, to the headline this guy has given? Yeah, that's, that's, that's them managing risk. So if you look at an oil and gas producer in the U.S. right now, or say in North America, gas is a risk. It, gas is so cheap now. I mean, it's ridiculously cheap, and we have so much of it that's going to stay ridiculously cheap forever. Um, so, uh, you know, if you had your choice between liquids and gas, I'd rather produce liquids because you know that price is going to rebound and you have higher margins on it. Interesting. And it says Saskatchewan, so I just get to say that in here. All right, let's move a little bit downstream, actually all the way downstream. BASF said to be working with banks to weigh counterbid for DuPont. So we've got Warren Buffett making more moves over here. Yeah, it's I, I, I don't see this happening. I mean, BASF should bid on this and, and, and try to pick up DuPont. Um, in case people don't know, Dow has made a, a bid to, uh, to pick up DuPont to merge. This part of the industry is on fire as far as profitability and growth. Um, BSAF, nothing against German companies, but they, 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 they tend to not get it. They don't move quick enough. And, and, and this is a good article because they waited for uh, DuPont to make a bid before they try to make a counter bid. So it, it, would, it would fit in their portfolio. Do I think it's going to go through? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting, though, because there's a, there's a backstory here that I've never talked to you about in terms of, of DuPont being one of, the, one of the main critics of oil exports. Yeah, of course. Think about that. They turn crude oil into chemical, petrochemicals. And so if we export crude oil, the price will go up, which will hurt their business. Of course, they don't want us to export. They want all that crude landlocked in the U.S. So they can get it dirt cheap. Yeah. So that was that one of the lobbies that had to be overcome to pass the, the ex, to lift the export ban? Yeah, so it, I, I am still surprised that it was a bipartisan effort. Now, we, the, we, there were concessions made, right? So we basically agreed to dump a bunch of money in renewables in order to be able to export crude. But I think the concessions were, were fair. Um, you, you know, it's, it's by allowing us to export crude, not now so much, but in the very near future, we are going to take the political power away from OPEC. They will no longer be able to manipulate crude prices to the degree that they do now. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the world. 
Back to this article, the, the, the last subhead kind of makes me laugh. It says, math is terrible. <laughs> what are they talking about here? It, it, it's just because what BSF is proposing is just financially kind of unrealistic. Um, you know, they're looking to pay a 30% premium. That, that's, that's, that's ridiculous, right? And, you know, BSF, BASF has some fiscal responsibility to its shareholders. So, you know, it's just like if, um, you know, you and I have a joint venture, this podcast, right? What if I decided to go out and buy um, a mommy podcast for a network and I, and I took our money and went and did that? That, that would be a horrible investment. No, Mark, venture, right? no, mommy, no mommy bloggers on the Global Oil and Gas Network. Right, but that would be a horrible financial Yeah, absolutely. Move. Well, this is the same thing that's going on here. And, and it's just, it's, I, I, like I said, I just don't see it's going to happen. All right, we've got a deep dive from J.D. Spurra. We, we talk a lot about how difficult it is to do business in California. And this is, this is an extensive roundup. If you don't believe that it's difficult to do business in California, just check this article out. Yeah. So before I get into this, let me just, you know, put it on the line. I just filled up my car and my car runs super. And I think I paid a dollar 80 a gallon gas right now in California is over $4 a gallon. That's ridiculous. I mean, wow. And this is, this is the California, um, environmental log blog and basically what happened is um february the the end of february of this year was a deadline for lawmakers to introduce legislation for next year legislation session and if you read this it's all aimed at hurting the oil and gas industry and a lot of it's not based on any type of common sense it's it's ridiculous and all this is going to do is add more cost less and less companies are going to want to less and less oil and gas companies are going to want to do business in California because it's so heavily legislated which then drives up the price of energy for people that live in California who then vote for this type of cyber stuff so if you want to see how ridiculous this is James found an article where it's just one uh, law after another after another after another after another of, of, of ridiculous and and you know it's just uh, glad I, I love cali i love going there but i am so glad i don't live there <laughs> right I, i'm always happy when i'm landing home in texas give us an example or two though let's let, let's just call out one or two of these things that you saw that you were just like really yeah so um here's one uh gas corporations natural gas production storage you know they had that big gas leak i can't remember the name of the company we talked about on the bass show right and basically one of the most economical ways to store gas if you're if, if you have a need to like if you produce electricity is you find an old depleted oil field and you fill it up with gas and then you draw it as you need it it's, it's been done for forever it's very safe yes there are accidents like there's accidents with everything else but it's a very small percentage here's a whole bunch of regulation that they're going to overlay to try to keep that from happening again and what's so uh, almost cursed <laughs> we read your show what's so bad about this is you're having legislation drawn up of people that don't understand the industry what happened when they had that leak is they try to uh, uh, use drilling fluids the company itself tried to use drilling fluids to stop a small leak and they blew out the casing and then they had a large leak and then they got boots and coots out there who fixed it done um adding another layer of investigative and penalties and you know monitoring is not needed but here's a law where they want to do it and that's gonna be a cost and that cost could be passed on to the consumer one of the most extensive ones that jumps out to me is the ab2729 williams oil and gas operations this is talk about bureaucracy yeah so this is basically adding another layer of what's called um, um observations basically where you have to pay attention to what's going on to an abandoned well when you when you decommission a well in you know in the last say the last 
20 years, it's done right. Um, and yes, there are accidents, but it's extremely rare. Why do you want to make the oil company have to pay, put cameras up to watch? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just almost absurd. I mean, I, you know, I, you just have a law saying tax the oil and gas industry, you know, and I mean, it would accomplish the same thing as all this junk. Yeah. So if you're a lawmaker in any other state, you can refer to this article at, and, and say, this is a good example of how not to do it. <laughs> no, not to do it right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we talk a lot about the the storage boom that's happening. And man, I, I'm, I'm really loving hydrocarbon engineering. They've been serving us up some great articles f- over the past several weeks. The North American Storage Boom Part One. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the things that I miss. If I would have thought, you know, because I called the low crew price market back in, I think, 2013, I saw it coming. Um, if I would have really thought that through, I would have realized it would be a boom in storage. And re- basically, there's a boom in storage because people want to store this cheap oil with the, at, you know, just a few weeks ago, we paying 20 something dollars a barrel, wait till it hits 50 or 60 or 70 or whatever, and then sell it and make a high margin. And because that business is real, there's a shortage of storage in the U.S. So this is about how um, storage capacity is growing rapidly because there's a need for it, which then if you think about it, creates jobs and prosperity and blah, blah, blah. So this is a good article, uh, gets in some very um, uh, intricate details, um, but it's, it's, it's a boom in business right now. It will continue to be a boom in business until the price rebounds. According to the API, American Petroleum Institute, of course, U.S. crude production reached 9.3 billion, uh, I'm sorry, billion barrels per day in March 2015, a 14.5% increase over the previous 12 months. Since then, the output has slipped by 200,000, averaging 9.1. The API expects the decline to continue, da-da-da-da-da. But when it comes down to it, there's still a lot of storage being built because I just, another article I didn't throw in here was that production in Eagleford was pretty much steady over the last month. Yeah, and, and another reason that and this, this is all interconnected, but you know, most of our refineries can't refine effectively the sweet crude we produce. So now that we can export it, people are wanting to store it so they can sell it to markets like we just delivered a bunch of sweet crude to Italy. I just think that's awesome. Um, to markets that want that sweet crude. It, so this is allowing market forces to balance out. And storage is one of the ways that um, – one of the drivers that the market is pushing right now and shout out to genscape who's <laughs> who's mentioned in here we have a we have an interview coming up uh 0.5 interview coming up with hillary over there at genscape and it says philip 66 is doubling crude storage capacity to 16 million uh 16 million bbls barrels obviously um a little Do you know why it's bbl tell me i re- it's it's blue it's because it used to be very blue. good james yes yeah. yes yeah. i knew it that's, that goes way back, way back. But yeah, so um, but that stat coming from Jetscape. So uh, shout out to to those guys over there, and you'll be able to hear more about how they are able to say that. And it's very interesting in uh, in a point five episode coming up pretty soon. All right, let's talk about energy transfers. Ex CFO reportedly sought to undo Williams com- company merger deal. This sounds like a mess. This is a mess, and I've, I've been paying a little bit of attention to this because it's also unprecedented. The CFO basically got fired um, because he did not think this was a good deal from a, a financial point of view, and now he's actually reaching out to to um, shareholders and telling them that, telling them the details of why this is a, a bad deal. I, I, and this is just this is just a mess. It's a public mess for both companies. 
um, you know, the, the shares of uh, energy transfer has dropped. Wait, let, me, let me let me jump in here. So you said they fired him. And so now he's going public with what he knows, basically not going public. He's going to the investors, but that's close to going public. Um, he, he, yeah, he's he's, agi- he's actually reaching out to them and, and asking the board to reconfigure the deal or vote against it um, because because it's just a bad financial deal. Um, and it's I've, I've never seen this happen before. Now, I, I don't know. Um, what is this guy's name? What is this, the uh, Welch? I don't know Welch. Um, but from the outside looking in, it looks like he's doing trying to do the right thing, even though he knows it's probably going to ruin his career or at least hurt his career. So if he is doing this as the right thing, I, you know, hats off for him for standing up and saying, hey, this is bad. Yeah. And it is a thirty eight billion dollar acquisition. So we're not talking about small numbers here. Yeah, and it's 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 because of the drop in crude. This is just not a. I don't you know I don't think this is a good deal for the shareholders of either company. Um, so we'll see what happens. Let's continue to follow the story and see what happens. Well, give us a little background though on what Energy Transfer does and why they might have acquired Williams Companies. They're both pipeline companies, right? And 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 uh, Energy Transfers thought that Williams was a good acquisition target, but that was back when oil was a hundred dollars a barrel. Now that um, some things have changed in the pipeline industry, and we talked about this on a previous show where there's some pending legislation to, and if it goes the right, if it goes one way, it's going to allow pipeline companies when they ch- declare bankruptcy to get out from under their, um, I'm sorry, is upstream producers, if they declare bankruptcy or be able to get out from under their long-term contracts with the pipeline companies, which is how the pipeline companies make their money. I mean, it, it could radically change the, the, business of midstream in the u.s and this just is not a good deal it's they're paying too much money um the company's not worth this much um you know it just doesn't make sense and and but they're trying to get the deal through and then that process um you know they they fired welch the cfo and you know now he's out there trying to keep the deal from happening this is the most staggering statistic i think for me that that that's sort of halfway through the article kind of not hidden but it it seems like it would deserve its own bolding which is that energy transfers decision to burn through more than a billion dollars in cash last year by buying back the company's stock when it traded closer to its peak of 35 dollars a share today energy transfer stock trades at eight dollars yeah that's just a bad bad decision wow yeah, that that's that is liquid liquefying assets in a in a very bad way. And you know, if there's any attorneys out there that that touch this, I'm curious if if um, the CFO reaching out to the shareholders violates any type of security laws that are on the books in the U.S. Because I know there's laws about that, and, and I, I just don't know if this if he's in any type of violation or at risk of any type of violation. Yeah, that would be a good good thing if you if you have any insights on that or any of the stories that we've talked about here, go to the show notes. That's where we have all the links to all the stories. But also in the bottom, we've got the comments. It's discuss if you've ever left left a comment on USA Today or Wall Street Journal, pretty much across the internet. Leave us a comment at triberocket.com forward slash tw fifty four. Again, if you have any insights on that or any of the other stories, we'd love to hear from you. All right, let's uh, let's let's move away from the mess and more and more towards um, sort of uh, sort of some upbeat in terms. I really liked the this uh, this guy's philosophy in this next article: lessons learned through boom and bust. Yeah, this is an awesome article. This is basically uh, a reporter went out and interviewed three 
of uh, independent um, operators in the U.S. that are doing f- not great, but are doing okay in this downturn. Um, and it's it's just it just shows. First, it verifies a lot of stuff you and I've been talking about, James. Where good companies get through this good because they they have sound financial planning, and bad companies don't. And here's three good examples of some smaller companies. But it also, you know, it, it speaks to the the heart of American business, where you know, you know, like the first one is um, a basin uh, well logging wireline services. Uh, this guy's dad started it in 1956. Wow! <laughs> and it it stayed in the family, and he just refuses to take on any debt no matter what's going on because he knows that this is a fluctuating market so he's fine right now and the other thing i think is cool is he actually pays his top people more than he makes so he takes care of his top people um and this is there's several just heartwarming stories in here showing how it's not all doom and gloom upstream in the u.s but some good business owners out there are doing okay yeah and one of the main paragraphs that that really speaks to me kind of harkens back to what we talked about thanking everyone for reaching out after the rig tour was postponed is that realistically the oil and gas industry is the greatest industry on earth because it's the largest family on earth and this line right here you sacrifice together while times are bad and then make up for it when they're good and so and then that follows up that uh all of the employees including mcgrath took a 15 15 percent pay cut early last year and it, it, it shows you I don't want to go on a union rant here, but it's just everybody is a family. We're all going to get through this together. Yeah, James, I know, and I can't mention the name. I know three large oil companies that literally reached out to its employees and said, "Look, I can either we can either lay off twelve to eighteen percent of our people, or everybody can take a fifteen percent pay cut. Y'all vote on it." And they all all employees said, "Let's take the cut." Phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right. Um, last story here. Best days ahead, still ahead, actually, for American Shale. And this is from a friend of the old show, Oil and Gas Digital Marketing Podcast. We had him on, uh, Mark Perry from the American Enterprise Institute. And I always love what Mark has to say. Yeah, this is a great article. And the funny thing, it actually touched on something I mentioned a little while ago that I didn't uh, realize he talked about it, but he's, they talk about how this is going to weaken Saudi Arabia's role in a global oil, oil marketplace, um, and it's going to eliminate their ability mostly to manipulate the markets. Um, that's awesome. And it's just talking about basically how the shell revolution that's, has opened that's, up. For everybody who's listening, that he's saying shale. Shale. Okay. <laughs> Shale revolution has opened up so much access to hydrocarbons that we're in this hydrocarbon abundant world. We'll continue to be in a hydrocarbon abundant world. We're going to export this stuff. Our electricity bills will get cheaper. Um, we're cleaning up the environment, and it's just it's you know just a really good article. Yeah, it, it, everything. Um, like I said, I always love what Mark uh, the the spin he has on things because he he is so good at highlighting the positive in the American economy. And it's funny, just yesterday I posted on Facebook, there was this meme, Hillary versus Trump. And then it it was a Texas that said, can we just secede already? Um, But when I posted it, I said, I said, we ain't feeling no damn burn unless you're talking about us carrying the U S economy on our backs (laughs) because um, Texas is just a damn good place to be doing business. All right, let's, uh, let's, Let's move on over to our onion of the week because I put one in the show notes, but I didn't actually have one last week. So U.S. consumers spend $900 billion each year after saying, give me one of those two. And 
I think that that's absolutely true. I, I, I always reference Mr. Rohn. He says, because he, he made his first, he was a millionaire by the time he was 31, and then he lost it all, and he had to get it back. And when he recounts that story, he says, yeah, yeah, I went crazy with that first money. He used to say, you know, how many colors does it come in? I'll take them all. And that is something for the American consumer to, to know, and that speaks to another .5 episode that we have coming still this week which is with Victor Antonio, and he has a new show on Spike TV that's debuting this Sunday, March 13th, called Life or Debt. And he's an old good friend of mine, and it's amazing to see a, a friend that's been a speaker for so long, all of a sudden he has a TV show. And so tune in for that one, because if you want to get your finances in order, he's got a lot of great, great insights. And we have a winner, Mark LaCour. Yeah, congratulations. Who is it, James? It is... Tawfiq Azure, general manager at Misra Petroleum Company, which is really, really fantastic because Misra Petroleum is based in Egypt and it's fantastic and exciting to see the global reach of the community that continues to build around this show. Misra Petroleum Company is one of the largest petroleum products marketing companies in Egypt. It was founded in 1911 as Shell Egypt Limited and became an Egyptian company in 1964. The company owns a large number of main and sub depots distributed all over the country. Its strategic geographic distribution model and large storage capacity gives Misra Petroleum flexibility to efficiently supply service stations and customers with petroleum products across Egypt it's just is really, really cool stuff. Obviously, we always have to take, take a moment right now to thank our sponsor, Red Wing. One of the things that we, we, we've been talking a lot about, the quality of Red Wing, and one of the reasons that they came on board with us is because a lot of people don't realize, I mean, large companies, large companies that buy all their steel-toed boots from them don't realize that they can get everything for their crew head-to-toe straight from that company. Yeah, and their FR clothing line is awesome. So, um, you know, if you're the guys out in the field or if you're the manager of the guys out in the field, check out Red Wing. Check out the FR clothing. It's great stuff. And like everything else they make, it's very high quality. Uh, they take good care of their people. Um, take a look at it. Definitely. And if you want one of these offshore bags, just like our winner just got, <laughs> and I'm going to play around with this at post-production, but, and if you want one of these offshore bags, no purchase is necessary. See the official site for details. It's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Moving on to events straight from Mark LaCour's monthly events newsletter. If you're not on that list, hurry up and go to trabrocket.com forward slash events because that's where we get all of this stuff. And we pick at most two or three each, but I actually had to text Mark before the show and send him, I don't know, three or five other links. So which one of these should we talk about? Let's start it off with SUT Young Professionals third annual crawfish boil. Are yeah. you are, are you ready for the crawfish boils, Mark? Because I know that after a while, it gets a little tiresome for you. Yeah, we're getting into that season of crawfish boils here in Houston with the oil and gas industry. It's going to be crazy when OTC gets here. But this is um, one of the first ones. Actually, it's the second one that I know of the year. This is the Society for Underwater Technologies. They're YPs, they're young professionals, doing a crawfish boil. It's not much money. I'm going to be there. I'm going to have some friends there. 
um, if, if you want to get plugged into um, some of that subsea stuff, or if you're a young professional yourself and you want to meet your peers, come join me. Tuesday, March 15th, uh, five to nine, you know, however long you, you hang out and network for at Christian's tailgate, uh, 1010 highway six North Houston, Texas. And then IHS back, damn IHS back again <laughs> with the 31st world petrochemical conference. So they just wrapped up Sarah week and they're already coming back with another big event. Yeah. So this is, this is IHS bringing some uh, heavy industry industry hitters, uh, to talk about some of the key topics in petrochemicals. And, you know, as much as we've been talking about how petrochemicals is booming, if you want to kind of tap into this and understand what's going on, you need to go to this. What are some of the things that they talk about? I mean, petrochemicals, when I so hear that in like, general. What's, what's going on in the automotive industry and how it affects petrochemicals? Think about buying a car. How much plastic is in that car? Where do you think that plastic comes from? Oil and gas industry. Um, um, things about um, logistics, right? globally. Um, right now, the developing countries have a huge appetite for our petrochemicals. What are the logistics constraints? How, you know, um, Things like, um, what, how does Wall Street treat the petrochemical industry? I mean, this is some really deep, deep dive stuff, and it, it shows how other industries depend upon the oil and gas petrochemical industry for their very existence. And you have people talking about how the, these different things interconnect. I mean, you, most people think that the oil and gas industry supplies fuel for cars. You don't realize that we supply a lot of the parts that, that darn cars do. We supply from. everything that makes the world run, basically. Yeah. Basically. Um, so that's March 15th through 18th, uh, next Tuesday through uh, Thursday. Hilton America's here in Houston. I, I really, I'm, I'm thinking I want to get out there, but um, we'll see what happens. And let's also talk about the rig tour postpone obviously we went in depth on that last week but yeah let me just say that it is still happening we're trying to finalize a date and it's either going to be uh, the last saturday in march or the second saturday in april once we have that date finalized the email will go out the good thing is if you're a listener to the show and you've never been on a rig this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that even i can't believe i pulled off so uh go to the api young professionals houston website um, and they have a page where you can sign up for the tour. Go sign up. You, can, you still get a chance to go. Yeah, and, and the link, again, will be in the show notes at tribrocket.com forward slash TW54 on this one. So, yeah, you can just click through and register. So what did you say? We Over 200 already or something like over that? Over 200 people signed up already. Wow. All right. We have a LinkedIn group, and we mentioned it last week, and we had like a dozen people joining. It pushed us over 900. So thank you to everyone who joined because we, we were stagnating in our growth for a while, but we're up over 900 now, Mark. Yeah, that's awesome. If, if you enjoy the show, if you listen to the show, join the group. Now, the group is not called Oil and Gas This Week, um, and there's a reason for that. Um, that reason means that you're going to get exposed to a lot of our newer shows that aren't out yet. Uh, you'll get uh, help with your peers. I've seen salespeople uh, give each other contacts. Uh, information for clients. Um, James has reached out and helped a lot of people. I've helped people look for jobs. So uh, join the group. You'll be very glad you did. Yes, absolutely. Join the group. You can go to, to triberocket.com forward slash LinkedIn and just click the button to join. Talk to us about reviews, Mark. Yeah, come on, folks. Help us beat our competition. <laughs> we, we we need reviews. Every time you give us a review, it gives us a, a thumbs up in uh, the search engines and in iTunes, which allows us to pull ahead of our competition. It takes a minute and a half. Please do me a personal favor, besides friending me on Facebook, and, <laughs> <laughs> and leave us a review, please. 
Yeah, and the cool thing about this, and uh, we do have a new review that I'm, I'm pulling up right now to be able to read. The cool thing about this is, maybe you don't know this, but if you have an iPhone, you have a podcast app, because I know a lot of people actually listen to the show on my site, and I just know that from the amount of visitors. But if you have an iPhone, every iPhone, except <laughs> that guy that we met at NAPE, <laughs> it's the first time I'd ever seen an iPhone without the podcast app, but... In general, um, if you have an iPhone, all you have to do is swipe down and search podcast or just type in POD. The, the podcast app will, will pull right up. Click that. And then in the bottom right, you'll see the little icon to search. If you click that, and this is the really cool thing, as soon as you type in oil, it guesses that you're looking for our show. And so you can subscribe right on your iPhone if you're not if you're tired of being tied to your desk while you're listening to this show, I have that conversation with my dad all the time. He's like, well, I can't sit in one place and listen to all these shows. And I'm like, yeah, dad, that's why you subscribe. And then you have your headphones and you're doing dishes or you're wherever. So um, at any rate, thank you very much to California refiner 61, uh, uh, 61st review we got great info great work love love listening to you guys keep it up and here we are at episode 54 and we're going to 108 and then 216 and so forth so we're definitely going to keep this up it's too much fun and i get to uh brag to mark that it wasn't a waste of his time (laughs) um so yeah hey james real quick to to our listeners because i had a couple people ask me our one-year anniversary is still in the planning stage. Yeah, We're yeah, still good. I'm it. glad you said it. Yeah. Yeah, and as soon as we get the details worked out, we'll let you know. The the the, the truth is we're, we're struggling with a venue, <laughs> but I think James and I are finally got a place figured out that makes sense. So as soon as we get the logistics worked out, we'll let you know. Yeah, definitely. So it's still happening. We're, we've just been looking at breweries and coffee houses and wine places and all this stuff. So as soon as we have anything to tell you on that, we are definitely going to let you know because we're, we're just as excited as y'all to get together and have some fun. And our, you know what? If you're one of our listeners and you have a place, <laughs> let yeah, us know. Absolutely. We'll, fill, we'll fill that sucker up. We'll fill it up. We'll get some people in there for you. All right. If you made it this far in the show, please share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your dog, your cat, whoever will download. We take, we accept all downloads. And to share on LinkedIn, go to triberocket.com forward slash share LI. On Facebook, triberocket.com forward slash share FB. And Twitter, <laughs> triberocket.com forward slash share TW. Are you ready to go, Mark? Yeah. Do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. Let's get to the point, man. If it flows, it flows, all right? If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's just the way it is, James.